What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I'm pleased to be joined with lifelong Buffalo Bills fan at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hello, sir. Uh, thank you for that introduction. It was a big win. I uh, needed it to improve to 9-3, and three, beat the uh, division rival, New England Patriots. Really excited about that win, Elliot. I, uh, we were we were excited. Uh, I tell you what, we got a lot to get to tonight. I yeah. mean, a lot to get to. Uh, Marcus has some serious Patriots thoughts. <clears throat> I have some um, I have some criticisms uh, tonight uh, that I don't normally I don't normally talk about this stuff too deep because I don't I well we'll get to that part. I don't want to tease it too much. And then uh, football theory chat. And some other assorted holiday items for you guys uh, tonight. Christmas vacation is on, by the way, in the background. Marcus, uh, right top now, five Chase, movie of all time. Definitely, he's shopping for, um, I think, some underwear. Can't see the line, uh, can you, Russ? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Bills won, uh, beat the Patriots tonight. Uh, it was not a particularly close game. Final score was, I believe, twenty-four to ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely dealt probably a lethal blow to any chance the Patriots have of capturing the AFC East. And it's going to be tough for them to even make a wild card, although they're very much still in that race. Buffalo is probably going to lock up not only the AFC East, but they've got a good chance still to get home field given that they beat Kansas City earlier this year, although they are behind in record, right? So Mm -hmm. um, let's start with the Bills real quick because we don't have a lot of Bills sauce. We didn't really learn – too much new here. Uh, I don't think Buffalo's a really good team. They're one of the two best teams in the AFC. Um, any, any new things from you? I, th- this is, they are who we thought they were. Thank you, Danny Green. Uh, no, I, they ran the ball better in this game than I was anticipating. And they're starting to really use James Cook, their rookie running back from Georgia more, but that also might just be because their left tackle, the Dawkins was out. I don't know. felt like a very billsy game. Big plays by Josh Allen, timely stops on defense. I, I wish I had some like thought provoking thing to say here, but no, they were just, they were, they were fine. <laughs> well, I do. Uh, I talked to somebody in our industry tonight. I want to talk about this a little later because I want to get to the Patriots, but um, I told him I would buy him an Apple teeny at some point. So I went ahead and made myself one because it was so hard to watch the fourth quarter of this game, like painfully hard to watch the fourth quarter. Uh, but please, you go on the Patriots, and I'll follow. I, it's actually more of a question for you. It's where do the Pats go from here? Because this is a franchise, an organization that is used to winning at all costs and winning championship games and winning Super Bowls. And now this is going to be the third year in the row where – they're a good team, but not really a contender. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer is because I think Mac Jones is like a C plus at quarterback, a B minus. And he's somebody that you can win with, but he's not somebody that you can win because of. What does the next two, three years look like for the Patriots? Because I just don't see a path to them becoming a Super Bowl contender anytime soon. I do. I see one possible path, hire an offensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator, a guy who has cut his teeth as an offensive minded coach his entire career. If you're going to evaluate Mac Jones, then evaluate him. 
or draft a guy. And what I mean by that is if you're going to evaluate a quarterback, let him play, let him play, throw the ball down the field, call plays to throw the ball down the field, which brings me to another point. You need to have a playmaker on the outside. Quit doing this patchwork stuff. Quit taking guys on day two or three. Let's see a first round wide receiver come through that building. That's what I'd like to see. First round wide receiver. I want to see Mac Jones be allowed uh, call plays that can potentially push the ball down the field. And if he can't do it, then fine. Don't draft a receiver. Draft a quarterback and make Mac Jones compete. And you know how I feel about this. I see nothing wrong with making young quarterbacks compete. That's not what the league thinks. Right now, the league believes in coddle, 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 coddle. And then if they fail after 18 starts, okay, we'll play somebody else. These guys had to compete in high school. They had to compete in college. Why do we not make them compete in the pros? Uh, those are just a couple ideas. The, the problem is, is the Patriots are going to be in the same exact situation they were back in 2021, where it's like, okay, you're going to win seven, eight, nine games. You're going to be drafting in the yep. te- late teens. You're not going to get that quarterback with a bunch of tools from a big time program at that spot in the draft. Like, you're going to have to trade multiple first round picks to go up inside the top seven or eight to get that guy. Are you willing to give up basically on Mac Jones to do that? Okay. Who are your two favorite rookie wide receivers this year? It doesn't mean they played the best. Just give me your two favorite prospects, either based on how they're playing or what they were when they came out. Yeah. Garrett Wilson off the jets and Chris Olave for the saints. Those are your two favorite. Okay. Now where were Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave drafted? Uh, Was it 10 and 12? 10 and 12. Okay, I thought it was 13, but let's just take 12. Okay, if the Patriots pick at 16, that's about likely, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay, it's not that hard to move. It's not that hard to move from 16 to 12. No, it does not take a king's ransom to move from 16 to 12. To move from eight to four takes a king's ransom, or five to one takes a, a double king's ransom, right? Or King's X, a 90s rock band. A lot of people don't remember. But from I like 16 to 12, you can do better. that. Yeah, bro. So here's the thing, brah. Do that. Either, either. But do you, do you understand my point on Mac Jones? Either evaluate him or don't. Don't half-ass it. Don't half-ass so, it. I mean, I agree with you on the offensive coordinator. Like, it's this Matt Patricia thing seemed doomed from the start. He's just, he's not an offensive guy. Don't let him call plays. So that means we got to get somebody else in here. Does that mean bringing up Bill O'Brien from Alabama to be your offensive coordinator or bring back Charlie oh, Weiss? I don't know. What's Jim Caldwell up to? That would be a really good one. Actually. Caldwell would be a fantastic one. Yeah. I thought of Jim Caldwell because isn't that who Matt Patricia replaced as Lions mm-hmm. head coach? Yeah. Caldwell is very so, good. That'd be a great one. Uh, or bring back the Jim Schwartz uh, handshake fiasco. Remember that with Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. yeah. It's a really hard handshake. Yeah, the halcyon days of 2012. I think that's when that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's just, okay. It, that Patriots team seems so on Bill Belichick-y to me, right? Like they, they make stupid mistakes. They felt lifeless. Like where was the energy from that team tonight? Like it just – I, I can tell like you they were going to the most. It was hard to watch. It wasn't in the broadcast booth. I can tell you that, but that's another point for later in the podcast. Oh, um, couple, oh come on, man. Uh, I'm coming hard on that. Uh, but let me just say this. 
the fourth quarter was awful of this game. And it wasn't awful because the team, this, this was a glorious uni matchup. The Patriots looked great. They looked great. Those should just be their full-time uniforms. Ah, and the Bills whites, did that, was that not a great uni matchup? I mean, it was stellar. The only uh, thing I wish that was different is I wish the, the Patriots had red pants to go with the, the red jerseys. No, no. It was too much you, white on the field. You're part of that. Tavon Austin highlighter yellow Rams no, it's monochrome. Just, there was so Thursday much between look. the white pants, the white jerseys of the Bills, and both teams having white helmets. A little bit too much white. Guys, Marcus's idea of classic Thursday night football is Jags at Titans with the Jags wearing their castor oil, yes. uh, mineral oil. The double your chrome helmets you when you were like constipated when you were a yeah. kid. Was it mineral oil? I don't remember what it was. Yeah. We had milk and magnesia. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, that's what the cool kids had. I mean, my mom used to have me eat stuff like Vienna sausages, which were just like a – it was like a can that you poured yeah, open of course. and had that gooky water, that gunky kind of uh, – We're, we're way off the, call it. Way off the point. So why was Not the fourth really. quarter bad? Because of this. You're down 24 to 7, okay? There's five minutes to go. My neighbor's down here. He's watching with me. And even he's he doesn't watch a lot of football. He's a Lions fan. That's why. Can you blame him? And Jeez. he's like, what? I mean, we're both just sitting there going, throw the ball down the field. You're down 17 points. Okay? Yeah. Wh- what are you going to do? Dink and dunk and throw none yard outs all the way down the field? I don't care. And then Kirk Herbstreet comes in and says, I bet you you're wondering why the Patriots aren't throwing down the field. And, of course, you were at a Bills party with all everyone wearing Joe Ferguson jerseys. You didn't hear any of this, drinking your beer. So Kirk Herbstreet says this, and I go, yes, yes, I am, Kirk. Yes, I am wondering why they're not throwing the field. So then Amazon goes to an all-22 look, and he shows them playing single high and then two high and blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Throw me a back shoulder 50-50 ball to Devontae Parker. It does not matter what kind of coverage you're in. At the end of the day, it's still a 50-50 ball if the ball placement's good. Am I right? How's the so, safety going to get over there on a back shoulder 50-50 ball? It's between you and the corner and the sideline. Who cares if you throw an interception, Marcus? Who cares? You're down 17. So I watched I watch this game with a bunch of diehard Bills fans. And again, they were leading 24-7 for most of this game. And one of my friends, Dan, actually said to me, doesn't this game feel really boring? This is a Bills fan. Who, they're up by 17 points against the Patriots, a team that he, they could never beat during his lifetime. Yeah. And he was kind of bored by the fourth quarter. I have and an I answer get it. for that. I get it. it. Let me tell you something. As much as I'm going hard on the Patriots here, the Patriots aren't the reason this game was boring in the fourth quarter. Uh, so all I'm saying here is if you're throwing five-yard slants and little dunks to the running back, you're guaranteed you're going to lose. A- am I wrong? You need three scores. When you're down 17 with that little time, yes. You're yeah. guaranteed to lose. So who cares if you throw an interception in the end zone? Then they got the penalty. They had the ball at like the 12 or 11. They had a first and 10. They could get a first down without. And I told my neighbor, throw it in the end zone. Throw it in the end zone. And he wouldn't throw it in the end zone. Finally, they did to Jacoby Myers and he got. Uh, hit. They did a uh, defenseless receiver uh, mm-hmm. hit towards the head neck area, and the safety got thrown out of the game. But um, and Jacoby Myers couldn't hold on to the ball. That was the only shot they took the end zone. That whole final drive. 
Now, I will say, in defense of Mac Jones and the Patriots, they did have some injuries on their offensive line. They were doing a lot of shuffling. So maybe they just didn't want to get Mac Jones exposed to taking more hits when the game was kind of over. But I think the overall point remains, right? Like, this Patriots offense is just so dull, and there's no shot taking down the field, and there's no I, there's no explosiveness to it. It makes for a really boring product every week. Boy, if you just left the Patriots out of that and you said the broadcast, I would have agreed. All right, with well, let's let's talk made. about the broadcast because it's clear that bothered you the most tonight. So having been in this business a long time, I don't criticize other broadcasters typically. I just I, – I think it's bad form. But, I mean, we are, you know, deep into the season here. Amazon's coverage of the NFL is the most boring coverage I've ever watched in my life. I love Al Michaels like you do. But, even, again, my neighbor was down here and he goes, what's what's up with the broadcasts? Now, my neighbor doesn't watch all the time. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's like they're sedated. That's what he said. Do you disagree with that? There was, There's no pop. Like if you watch Sunday Night Football with Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth and they were doing this exact game, there would still be pop there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I don't disagree. It does seem like Al Michaels needs a good matchup or good quarterbacks to really get pumped up, right? Um, Herb Street just might not, not be an NFL guy. Like, I, Yeah, I, I'm not He's awesome. He's, On the college football yes. broadcast, broadcast, he's totally absolutely different. awesome. Totally different. Uh, uh, he's, a, he's a real pro, and he does a solid job. But I, it's not just the broadcast booth. It's the entire pregame, the postgame. There's just no energy to it. And I thought I was crazy, but I, if you go on Twitter, you'll find that other people have felt this way. And again, my neighbor was sitting right here and he, he literally asked me, are they sedated? You know, uh, it, he's like, what's, what is, is this normal is basically I, what he was asking. I will say I might be biased here because I'm a huge Al Michaels fan and there's some nostalgia, right? Because sure. I mean, growing up, Al Michaels did Monday night and Sunday night football, right? So it always, to me, meant a big game. So when I hear Al Michaels, I immediately think of all these awesome games. Um, so even if he does have a little bit of low energy, I still enjoy him. But I think you're right. I think the overall broadcast, it, visually, it looks great, right? I think you can't tell the difference between a Fox broadcast and a CBS broadcast and an Amazon broadcast. There's just something missing. There's a lack of juice from the broadcast and the broadcast team. That makes it feel like it's a second-rate game and not a huge primetime, you know, performance. It just feels like a Carson wins third quarter when I watch Amazon. Oh, that's me. And it just don't, they, don't say that they well, no, I mean they just need a little shot of Heineke, you know, just a little bit of pep. And when they did the post game, Josh Allen wore a fourteen Fitzpatrick jersey. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. And, you know, I thought they could have really hammed that up. But I will say Ryan Fitzpatrick and Richard Sherman do bring energy to the broadcast uh, in the post game. But by and large, it just – this is not fair. I'm going to roll this out that it's not fair. And I know it's not. But you and I are big fans of John Madden. We've talked about John Madden many times. One of the things that made John Madden great is he was amazing in a blowout. 
Mm -hmm. He was almost more fun when the score was 40 to eight, because there's so many little things that you can find in a broadcast or to, to be interesting. And I I don't look, it's really hard. That's just not Herb's trait, right? That's just not who he is. He's a big game, a big college football game announcer. I'm glad you said that because when they were talking about TCU and then when they're talking about USC having 19 transfers, the energy went up a little bit. Yep. And the reason it went up is because, and, and I know this from, from again, being, I, I know what it's like to, to work at this level and to be in these shoes, even though I'm not a game broadcaster, I wasn't, I did do Thursday night football on NFL.com for NFL network. And I know what it's like to, to sit there and, and, when I would get asked like a history question from Matt Money Smith, who's now the Chargers play-by-play guy, I always had a little bit more pep because now we were in my arena. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I sure. love, you know, I love history. And so maybe if you you are doing a podcast, Marcus, and somebody asks you about draft evaluation, you get a little more pep because you love that so much. I just feel like the passion for the game is missing from the Amazon Prime broadcast, the passion. Am I am I being too critical? Because I think these guys are independently good. They are independently good. Actually, I think they're great. It's just I'm not sure they are a great fit together, um, especially for a Thursday night game because we just haven't got very many Thursday games. I was thinking back to um, the Monday night game, the Steeler-Colts game, which – I mean, it t- ended up being a quote-unquote good game because it came down to the final plays. But if you watch the first three quarters of that game, it was just terrible football. And Troy Aikman was awesome in that game because he wasn't sugarcoating it. Like, he was getting disgusted nope. with Matt Ryan uh, on some of the, the bad plays that he had and the poor offensive line play and Kenny Pickett not seeing the splits coming. Like, you could still be really entertaining if a game isn't good. And I think that's what the Amazon crew has struggled with is they've had some stinkers. That's not their fault, but they should be able to elevate a game and make it more entertaining. And they just haven't done that so far. Again, I think it's, I think it's really a question of energy. And if I were an Amazon executive uh, or the executive producer of this broadcast, I would ask my friends in the industry who don't work for Amazon to watch the broadcast and and tell me what's missing. Don't talk to yes people. Talk to people that know the industry but aren't currently either working in it or aren't working in it with you and get some direct feedback because there is – I'm going to go back to Tariko and Collinsworth. First of all, Tariko is very good at keeping his energy up at all times. But Collinsworth, when he sees a good play, he'll do something like – Oh, he you know what I mean? He'll just groans be, and grunts, yes. right? Or he'll, or he'll say something like, oh, he almost had it. And you could see what he was trying to do, but he just couldn't get the ball out there. And it, it just makes it more interesting than saying, you know, well, the Patriots are just going to have to go back to the drawing board and trying to deliver this product. And when it's, when it's, a bad game in the fourth quarter, you've got to, you've got to have the ability, as you say, to make it interesting um, without it. And I, I, again, it's not all about Herb Street and Michaels. I think these guys are all independently. I mean, Al Michaels is a legend. I just, I don't think Amazon Thursday night football has been a, a, a raging success 
so, so far. I just find myself checking out and I feel bad about it. I feel bad saying this out loud. Who says no to a Mike Tarico Al Michaels trade? NBC or Amazon? Amazon. You think? Because yeah, because Mike Tarico I think Mike Tarico knows that Al is getting close to being done and that it's his gig. And if he had to wait, say, an extra year to fill that seat again, I, I don't think – I mean, I don't know Mike, uh, but I, I, I know if I were in his position, I'd be like, you know what, fine. I'm, I'll be fine. It's my gig in a year? Okay, cool. Make the trade, you know? Um, I sat watching really, truly wondering – and by the way, I'm not the only person to say this. People have been wondering aloud on Twitter if Al Michaels regrets – can we go? I mean, have people you not have seen been saying, this? Elliot. Yeah, people, yeah. A lot of people have been saying, oh, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> oh, you make me laugh. Uh, uh, I, I, I want your football theory uh, thing that you have. Okay. Last point on this, though, real quick. Um, people have been wondering if Al Michaels, you know, is just like, hate watching i mean i'm hate watching so i don't blame him if he is but i think as a broadcaster you can't help but have some of that seep into you Mm -hmm. you know that you can only take so much and i mentioned matt money smith we work together and he's the chargers radio play-by-play guy now and money was always great at keeping the energy up and let me tell you especially when we were on um fantasy live it got really hard man it was like week 15 and we're talking about you know Ben Tate is a handcuff, you know, or the Jags matchup, you know, it's tough, but it's like I said, it's not just them. I think it's an entire production issue that I think they need to address. And it it won't take much because as you said, quality wise, like visually and everything, the, the talent is there and the visual product is there. So um, anyway, now I feel. So good. having said that, um, Al Michaels, that. welcome to Raiders Rams next Thursday night football. Oh gosh, I, yeah, you know <laughs> I, it's it, it's just like Troy Aikman. I think it's a sense of humor. I think Tony Romo can get into a lot of strategy still, even in the late stages. I love right. it when Romo will talk about, "Hey, here's what Romo would have done tonight when he saw that there was four thirty to go and the Patriots were down twenty four seven. Romo would say, you know, you gotta, you, you, you gotta look for this or that because here's the way I see it. In order to get two touchdowns and a field goal, this is the way you, your, your drives have got to break down. He's really good at that. Or he'll say, you've got 14 seconds um, minimum that you need to throw the ball over the middle, you know, before you can snap it. I'm using examples, but um, you know, and then John Madden would have been talking about crack sweat on a guard and then mm-hmm. determining how well he played based on how deep the crack sweat went. So there you go. Okay. I'm done with my mini <laughs> rant. I'm going to have a sip of my apple teeny. All right. There you go. Um, can I do one thing while you're on a little power rankings thing for you? Well, it's a power ranking show. So please All do. Right. Uh, just one of the things that I love is when players play different positions. We've talked about this several times in the power ranking show, but I was just so giddy. When Marcus Jones, the Patriots cornerback, was on offense playing out of the slot, and then he scored like a 50-yard touchdown. I thought that was so cool. So I made a list of three players that I want to see play different positions at some point this year. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. 
And I think these are realistic. Number one, I want to see Michael Parsons get a carry for the Cowboys. They've been talking about it. There's been hints that maybe he's been taking some some carries in practice. Uh, former running back in high school. I think it'd be really cool to see Michael Parsons get like a goal line carry. I'm I'm down with that. I'm, I I mean, I think you'd like to see Micah Parsons be the backup quarterback, given your feelings about Cooper Rush. Um, it just feels yeah. like that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think Micah Parsons reminds me a lot of Avion Kaysan. Former Dallas Cowboy great. Yeah, yeah duh. okay, I'm ready for the next guy. I mean, this isn't just a Cowboy podcast, but I do think Trevon Diggs playing a little bit of offense. You know, former receiver at Alabama before he switched to corner. Like, give him, like, a slant in the uh, red zone. That'd be fun. It definitely would make the product a lot more exciting for Michaels and Herb Street to, so they could have something decent to call. I already feel bad saying it. I do. See, you can tell I already feel bad because they had to watch that Patriots eyesore in the fourth quarter. Go ahead. And uh, who's next? I, I'd like to see Miles Garrett get like one red zone fade, one end zone oh, fade. Yeah. Is like a tight end. Like the, oh, the yeah. Texans used to do this with JJ Watt, right? They would put him either, uh, you know, tighten the formation and run little routes. Remember when the Panthers used to do it with Julius Peppers? They would throw yeah. a fade to Julius Peppers. Why not Garrett, who's like 6'6", 270? Why not try it once? We just watched the Patriots. How many touchdowns did Mike Vrabel catch in his sure. career? Yeah, so I'm totally down with that. Okay, Anybody so we got Miles. Like to see? We got Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett and Trayvon Diggs. Those are Wouldn't it be fun? I think it would, but I was kind of hoping for, I don't know, Bernard, like a uh, well, now you you know I almost said Bernard Barian because we talked about him the other day, uh, but I, I was going to go with former someone Viking like Braxton Barrios. Yeah, <laughs> Viking great. Yeah. Oh man, but you know what? You love those Swiss Army knife dudes. I mean, Percy yeah. Harvin's your favorite player of all time. You love those guys. Yeah. Well, Percy Harvin, Deion Sanders. I love Devin Hester, kind of coming out of Miami because he did both played offense yeah. and played defense. Yeah, I've always been a, a, attracted to those type of players. Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, Troy Brown is my favorite Patriot of all time, and mm-hmm. he was the ultimate guy that could do that. But um, something I noticed, football theory time. Yeah. Um, we should have a drop for football theory. It should be like uh, like a – but that sounds like a depth charge. Maybe like an early 80s computer making these weird sounds. I don't know. So I uh, – they were talking. One thing I really love about what Kirk Herbstreit does, by the way, uh, is a lot of times he notices little things schematically that I think a lot of other announcers miss. And I, I really like the fact that he mentioned tonight the spacing, the offensive line spacing, and how that affects the pass rush. And I really wonder, as much as you've talked about how teams are going to evaluate quarterbacks coming out and that if you are just a straight pocket passer, you better be as good as Joe Burrow or you don't have the same value. The more we get the Justin Fields types, I think the more you're going to see the conservative pass rush employed over and over again. And it actually will bring sack numbers down because what you're going to be asking your defensive ends to do is to play the game very patiently and have lane integrity all the time. And you're not going to have, you know how we always talk about, like with Miles Garrett, they'll talk about incredible body lean he gets when he's tearing around the edge. But if you tear around the edge to sack the quarterback, the tackle can push you out of that 
that small area. And then there's a lane for a Lamar Jackson or a Justin Fields or whoever. I think more and more with the way the spacing is, we're going to see pass rushers who are basically told to stay in their lane and not be overly aggressive because it's going to be the only way to contain these, this new generation of quarterbacks. That's my super nerdy uh, axis and allies playing 16 hour board games. No to the week. I think that's very possible. I, I think you're going to see a lot more of that, but much like college football, what teams have done to kind of combat these running quarterbacks is instead of four down linemen, it's just three linebacker or three down linemen basically eating gaps and then three linebackers and five defensive backs and just guys that can run all over the field and chase down your quarterback. I think it's going to be more formation-based than, hey, take a contained rush. Don't don't let him get outside the pocket and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, either way, you just can't allow teams to do what Jalen Hurts did the other night. No. You can't allow teams to no. do what uh, Miami allowed Justin Fields to do a few weeks ago, uh, even though Miami ended up escaping with a win. And so I think you're going to just see – uh, a lot more of this, but uh, by the way, Christmas vacation, Chevy Chase finally got the lights all lit up here, but uh, cousin Eddie showed up and he said, uh, he goes, you surprised Clark because Eddie, I wouldn't be more surprised if I woke up with my face stitched to the carpet. Yeah. But you got to like snots the dog, right? Snot, snots pretty, he's pretty spectacular. I mean, the scene where they're drinking eggnog and he's, he, well, that's actually the scene right now. Do you have a V-neck cream sweater with a black dicky that only goes uh, to the sternum underneath? I don't, but I did just purchase some eggnog uh, last week. I actually told you about it. I wasn't a, wasn't a huge fan of the kind that I bought, but I think I need to, to upgrade to the moose mugs. I need to ask you. So now yep. that I've, because uh, I do feel, I like I said, I feel guilty. Do you think I'm coming too hard with on the on the? the Amazon broadcast, because watching tonight, I was wondering what was making it just so boring for me. And I think it really was having someone here that doesn't normally watch football saying to me in all seriousness, man, this just feels lifeless. Like this is boring. <laughs> and I realize it's not, but I do feel bad for, for Alan Kirk. Cause I know how good they are. And I feel like these games are just cruddy. I think Tony Romo ruined a lot of broadcast teams going forward because him and Jim Nance were just so good right out of the gate uh, that I think we expected to be that way everywhere else, right? I mean, all the other broadcast teams that we talk about, they've been together for a long time. These guys have only done 13 games together, 12 games, right? I think we they need to have a little bit of time to grow and know each other and kind of riff off each other. I, I will cut them a little bit of slack, but it, I think because Romo and Nance are so good out of the gate that we just expect everybody else to be like that. It's not. It, it takes time. It takes effort. Yeah, and I, I think cutting them slack, I, I mean, I hope that I'm coming across that. Again, I think they're very good independently. Um, I think it's not – I mentioned – I feel bad because I mentioned Al and Kirk, and honestly, I think it's the entire production. I think it's the whole thing other than the visual aspect of it. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you pay all this money for 
you know, for football. And my neighbor joked, he says, you know, but he goes, this is appropriate because Amazon really sucks the life out of everything, starting with small business. So I was like, yeah, maybe maybe that's what's uh, happening here. Um, A couple little small notes. We talked about the Hall of Fame the other night and you asked me for my five and I spoke to a Hall of Fame voter and asked him what he thought of the five guys that you made me pick. Tory Holt, uh, I picked Joe Thomas, I picked uh, Patrick Willis, mm-hmm. I picked Demarcus Ware, and Darrell Rivas. Those were the five that I thought uh, were going to make it to the Hall of Fame. I was told that Darrell Rivas can wait, and I was told, yeah, whoa, uh huh, and I was told that um, I'm probably off on Tory Holt. While this voter acknowledged that there's a wide receiver log jam once again, and that this is a little bit weaker field than last year, that it's going to be really difficult for Torrey Holt. He did agree that Torrey Holt is probably the leader in the clubhouse, though, among the wide receivers. That would be uh, Reggie Wayne, um, Steve Smith Sr., Andre Johnson. They Oh, and Heinz Ward Heinz also. Ward. Uh, all of them are uh, semifinalists. What do you think of that? I'm good with that. I, I'm I'm okay if they decide to wait on Tory Holt again. I could go either way, but we are going to have another log jam at receiver coming up when like Larry Fitzgerald uh, is eligible. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. The the Revis one gets me. I, I honestly, I'm shocked because of all the players that you mentioned, I would put him number one on my list. I've never seen a corner be able to lock down the field um, the way he did. Uh, Deion Sanders would be awfully close, but a lot of times I think of Deion as more of a big play corner as well. Darrell Revis literally just locked down the that side of the field, and I I would have a really hard time at this group of guys uh, leaving him off. But I I really would double down on Patrick Willis. Not only do I think he'll make it, I think Patrick Willis absolutely has to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's one that I, I really would put my foot down on. Maybe the best linebacker of the last 15 years? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing, though, is is there room for a Patrick Willis? Uh, this is football theory, too. Uh, is there room for a Patrick Willis-type linebacker in today's game? Oh, is yeah. It? You think yeah. so? Yeah, because he was – when I think of, like, the modern NFL linebacker, He's actually the guy that I think of because he's 250 pounds and can run a – I think he ran like in a low four fours or something coming out of school. He can hit. He can cover. He can come downhill. Yeah, I think I, – in fact, I think he's like the perfect modern-day linebacker. It's funny. I think of some of the smaller guys. Um, I think on, to, to use one near and dear to your heart, I actually think of a guy like Dexter Coakley who could get depth pretty easily, was very, very fast and a sure tackler, but not a particularly big guy. The reason I think Willis is the perfect fit is because he can play the run just as well as the pass. But with teams running the ball more this year than ever, you don't have to take him off the field. Uh, he's also an incredible blitzer. I, I'm with you. I think I know his career is short. I, I get it. But I think Willis should be a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, there's something I just uh, kind of thought of as we were talking about this because Hall of Fame was always something that I uh, was kind of my specialty, but 
I mentioned earlier on our podcast about working at the network and being in that position where you, you know, you're trying to do your best to keep your energy up. I wanted to say to everybody that I used to screw up all the time. Like there, I have plenty of times that I sucked on the air and there's one particular thing that I felt like I was particularly not good at. And I went to our executives and I said, take me off this. Like I'm, I'm not as good as other people that could do this because I knew that I wasn't bringing an A plus level game. And I don't expect other people to do that. It's a really hard thing to do. And maybe I felt safe in my contract being able to do that. But the one thing that I tried to do, and I'm not even afraid to tell you what it is, you know, I'm not a big draft guy and they asked me to cover the draft Mm. and uh, on the air, you know, and I did, but um, the one thing I tried to do was keep my energy up. If you can keep your energy up and stay passionate about something that even, you know, you're not the best at, um, you know, but you just love the heck out of it, you know, like you with your movie opinions, like you're clearly not good at movie opinions, but you're passionate about your naivete about movies, which I appreciate. Is that a segue? Well, we are going to do a movie swap. Marcus no, let's do it right now. Let's just do it. So here's the thing. I'm going to watch a movie that he gives me. He's going to watch a movie that I give him. And uh, the initial movies that we decided on. No, wait, hold should, on. I, I, this is all in protest. I did not suggest you, that you watch this movie, by the way. You did multiple times. But then he doesn't want me to share with all you guys what movie it was he wanted me to watch. So he tried to change it to a tough guy movie. So the movie, I'll give you the movie that I gave Marcus to watch, which was Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan from 1982. Marcus has never watched Star Trek. So I thought this will be really interesting to see what he thinks of this. And Marcus came back with an equal to equal quality movie, except not at all in, uh, the movie's called Failure to Launch. <laughs> so I will be Again, watching Failure to Launch. Just to be clear, I never suggested this movie yes, for Ellie. I just think he, he, it's on the back burner for you, and you just want to watch it this weekend. No. And then when I said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and announce to everybody that we you know, are going to swap movies, uh, Marcus said, no, I didn't say Failure to Launch. Why don't you watch Warrior? He tried to come up with like the toughest prisoner tough movie. Like, that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, Marcus instantly went to like his under siege, uh, you know, tool belt. Yeah. To pull out a, yeah, you guys get it. Testosterone. It's just, I mean, you are going to be highly disappointed in failure to launch, but it's whatever. Am I going to need TRT as soon as I'm done watching it? You betcha you will. I mean, yeah. the good thing is it's a pretty quick watch, so you won't be, uh, it's not going to take up all your day, but you are going to feel like you wasted that 90 minutes. Well, you know, it will be really great is uh, we can do one of our promo reads right after I watch it. I could say, when I watch Failure to Launch, <laughs> I need Blue Chew. <laughs> all right. So that's all for me. Uh, so at, at, to summarize, we didn't learn anything about the Bills. The Patriots need to let Mac Jones throw the ball down the field. And Mac Jones needs to throw the ball down the field. I think Amazon has got room uh, for improvement. If they just uh, just do a couple little things, I think they'll get there because they've got some great people. Uh, I stunk at a lot of things in my broadcasting career, so I don't expect anyone to be perfect. And I'll be watching Failure to Launch this weekend. That's what I got. 
Turkey and an apple teeny. It's going to be a really nice, enjoyable weekend for you, Clark. Listen, I'm giving you the final thought. He was a big, burly man in a leisure suit. Big, hold on, you messed it up. A big, beastly, burly man. <laughs> That's right. My favorite line in Christmas Vacation is easily when uh, Randy Quaid kidnaps Chevy Chase's boss. And Chevy Chase is trying to explain to his boss what happened. He, you know, he goes, look, I, I got out of hand and da 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 And uh, Randy Quaid, he, he said, um, he goes, my cousin, whose heart is bigger than his brain. brain. And Randy Quaid goes, I appreciate that, Clark. This here was my idea. So my final thought, it's not a football thing. We're, since we're, we're talking about Christmas vacation, how much do we think Clark Griswold's Christmas bonus was supposed to be in uh, Christmas vacation? Because if you remember, the, not only was he going to put in a pool, he was also going to fly everybody out to use it once it was in. So, I mean, obviously the Jelly of the Month Club is is, is a nice uh, gift as well. But what do you think he was It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. <laughs> How much do you think I, he was supposed to get? I think he I think he was thinking he might get $10,000. Yeah, see that was my guess, like 10 to 15,000. But you got to remember this is $1989 and I don't want to do an adjustment, but people are saying, a lot of people are saying, Marcus. <laughs> Sorry guys, it's a that's an inside joke. We got to stop with those. Uh, yeah, I, I think ten thousand bucks, man. Yeah, that would that have been enough to put in a pool? In eighty nine, yeah, and to fly people out, you bet. They would all been flying Braniff in eighty nine, probably. Uh, did you hear that? Uh, is, I think it's Frontier Airlines is now no longer having customer service at all. And really? when they were a- asked about it, they said, "Yeah, we think our customers." you know, prefer this. What customer prefers like, yeah, when you have a problem with your flight, no, I want to talk to the automated guy. <laughs> yeah. So hold on. I got to back up really quick. If he was expecting a $10,000 bonus, how much was he making to begin with? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Remember he almost won top food varnish <laughs> of the year. Didn't he? That, Didn't he get a uh, non? Was it non something food varnish? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a lot of questions I have about this whole thing. So, no, I, I I also wonder about how the cat survived in that box with the ooze coming out and everything. I I, I think that, that was, was the um, Jello with the yeah the cat. Oh, it was the Jello. But didn't the cat get mailed also? Yeah, but it was in the box. All right, all right. Can we go? Like, are we? Yeah, are I gotta we go done? grab my stogie. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're good. Here am I. Here am I being a little bit critical of Amazon's broadcast tonight, and listen to my podcast. My gosh, I should just <laughs> stop talking. Uh, with that, he is the host of Locked On Cowboys with Landon McCool. Give Landon a follow, and Marcus also covers the Raiders for USA Today. And occasionally writes an article for PFF that he shills on our podcast. Unfortunately, I do too. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. And I am at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, we will catch up with you on Monday night.